First of all, I would like to start off with, uh, well, I, I was born in Indonesia and I grew up in Indonesia, but I've been living here long, longer now compared to uh, where I came from. But I don't know, maybe many of you today have heard what's happening in Indonesia right now in terms of the pandemic of the COVID-19. It's very severe in there and um, it really, it really um, troubling, actually, if you can, if I can say it that way. Um, especially for me personally, I mean that um, because the last couple of weeks, I've been hearing a lot of news um, from close friends who uh, lost their beloved ones because of COVID-19, and um, so I've been hearing a lot of death news for the last couple of weeks and in fact this week i've been hearing at least four of death news is kind of like one after another to be honest i've never encountered such a situation um, throughout my life only up to now suddenly when you hear somebody died it's like one after another um, and and the person I mean, the difference compared to last year, last year is kind of like you heard about this, somebody passed away, but it's kind of like somebody that you do not know. But this time is that somebody that very close to you, suddenly the, either the, the parents, the brother, the sisters, you name it, suddenly it's just like one after another. And it really uh, breaks my heart and troubling. And, um, and yet, ironically, I have to preach with the title today, let not your hearts be troubled. And as I prepared this, and then at the same time hearing all these news, and then also last night, believe it or not, when I was um, sitting with my youngest son and we were watching TV, and it was a very windy night last night, and it was, the, the rain was heavy, and guess what? Suddenly I found that there was leaking, drip of water came from the ceiling in one part of my house. So I thought, what is going on, you know, this week, you know, hearing a lot of uh, death news and, uh, you know, uh, this sad news. And then at, at last night, suddenly one of the corner in our house, the ceiling, uh, uh, you know, it was leaking. And yet today I have said to my wife, and yet I have to preach on let not your hearts be troubled. I do not know what the Lord is trying to teach me here, but... Uh, well, perhaps he's reminding me to really look at upon him all the time, because we do not know, um, you know, no, we do not know what our lives gonna be, and we, to be honest, we 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 cannot really tell, um, you know, when will be our time to go, and you know, we don't have that control. But uh, let's have a look at um, today's passage. I want to start with the, the opening, you know, believe in me, what Jesus said, believe in me and also uh, believe in me. B believe in God and believe also in me. Believe in God, believe also in me. The setting of this chapter 14, or in fact, to be fair, continuing from chapter 13, it was an, an anxious or agitated moment for the disciples, including Jesus himself. Why? Because this is the moment where not long after this, Jesus will be facing 
his crucifixion, his death on the cross. It's coming very soon. So this whole thing from chapter 13 to 17 is actually, it's almost like Jesus' farewell speech or discourse to his disciples before that final moment uh, came. So it was an anxious and agitated moment um, at the moment for, uh, among the disciples. And Jesus knew it. And that's why in the opening of verse 1, he straightaway said that, Let not your hearts be troubled. And Jesus continued saying, Believe in God, believe also in me. It may sound simple in this kind of simple statement, but yet it is very, it is a crucial opening statement whereby Jesus laid a foundation of the disciples' heart and also us today, that is to redirect, redirect our hearts by placing confidence in God and also in Jesus. In other words, place the burden of our hearts the burden of our troubled hearts in God and Jesus. At the same time, this opening is also important is because it helps us to understand who Jesus is. What do I mean by that? There is this oneness in relationship between God and Jesus. Believe in God and believe also in me. So God and Jesus are inseparable. We cannot talk about God without Jesus, nor can we talk about Jesus without God. Therefore, as we go through this passage, we will see that without a single doubt, Jesus will boldly referencing God the Father in him and him in the Father. In other words, so again, the encouragement is that because of this oneness, Jesus said, let not your hearts be troubled in this oneness. Place the confidence in this oneness, God and Jesus. So then it brings to the first point. I want to share three points today. The first point is that let not your hearts be troubled in from verses 2 to 6. Because, because of believing in Jesus, you know where you will be in the end. So Jesus was talking to among his disciples, believe in me, let not your hearts be troubled, because by knowing me, by believing in me, you know where you will be in the end. So Jesus encouraged his disciples to think and to look beyond life on this earth. His departure from them soon, or the earth, is for their own good, in the end. Why? Because there is life after death. There is life after death. Our life does not stop on this earth. This is just a transit point. This is not our real home. There is life after death beyond this world. Eternal life for eternity. How so? Verse 2, Jesus said, In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And when he goes and prepare a place for the, his disciples and also for us who believe in him, 
he will then he will come again and will take them and us to himself that where he is they the disciples us maybe also in verse 3 and that is a privilege that we have in Jesus it is a privilege now amid this one of the disciples there are two disciples in this story in this passage the first one thomas we all know thomas a person that perhaps still ling still unsure or still linger with doubts we can see we can see him again in chapter 20 later on verses 25 to 29 but also not just thomas but perhaps many of us today responded lord we do not know where you are going in verse 5 how can we know the way this is his response to Jesus previous statement in verse 4 about the way Jesus replied boldly to Thomas Thomas statement and or, or perhaps Thomas doubt and also our doubts today he said in verse 6 I am the way and the truth and the life no one comes to the father except through me I am the way I am the, the truth and I am the life no one comes to the father except through me now just quickly sharing there was a time in my my life yes only one time happened only one time long long time ago I met someone who 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 challenged me he was a Christian he challenged me saying that Rudy do you know what the strength do you know what the strength or the strong point of Christian Christ, Christian faith is that do not exist in any other system of beliefs that do not exist in any other system of beliefs or belief system and of course when he asked me that I, I I look puzzled I do not know what he's talking about and unsure I was unsure what he was talking about but kindly enough he directed me to this verse John 14 verse 6 he said to me Rudy why don't you look or research and see if anyone out there if anyone out there whoever he is has ever made such a bold claim like what Jesus did in John 14 verse 6 you go out there and look for it and honestly I did look with all the resources that I had at the time of course we didn't have internet at the time we didn't we didn't have professor Google so I kind of like just in the resources limited resources that we had I looked but funny enough until today until today if you Google this kind of statement Google will say to you the one who said this is Jesus it's not nobody else nobody else said this kind of state made this statement and until today I don't find any and because of that crucial moment one crucial moment meeting with that person it impacted me a lot and that in the end in the end by God's grace I believe I put my faith 
in Christ. I believe in the faith of Christianity. You see, when you think about it, Jesus' statement in verse 6 is not a light statement or a joke. Just he threw it to the, to the disciples. No, not at all. He, he exclusively, he exclusively declared who he is. You see, there is that prefix or word, the, right? The. And let's listen again to what he said. I am the way. So when you said to someone, in order to go to this place, to this building, for example, you have to go through the Springville Road. The way to come here is through Springville Road. So you say to someone, you go to, want to go to a place, the way is that, that way. So by saying that, then you make an exclusive statement that in order to reach to the destination, a person needs to follow the way that has been put in place. And not whatever ways or different ways. You can take different ways. You can take whatever ways you want. But you will end up in the wrong direction. Jesus did not say that he is a way. Or one of many ways. But rather he made that exclusive statement that he is the way. And in John chapter 10 verse 7, he said also, similar tone, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. The door, not a door. The second point, I am the truth. Jesus also said in John 8, verses 31 to 32, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Who can set the sinner free from the bondage of sin? Who can make the sinner righteous in the eyes of God? People say to me a lot of times, but I've done good, Rudy. I haven't committed murder. I haven't robbed a bank. Good. I mean, I'm not encouraging to do that. But, but if you want to be honest, you, 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 you take a moment in quietly in your own room without any other people surrounding you, just yourself, think about it humbly and honestly. What's going on in your heart, in your mind, every second, that people cannot see outwardly? Are you, th are you saying to me that you're never thinking of lying to others? Are you saying to me that you never really have the inclination to cheat on others? You never, are you saying that you never have that inclination to lust on somebody? Well, again, if we want to be honest, then we will find that Man, I'm not really that good. There are a lot of dirty things inside that, that you cannot see from outside. But inside, man, only God knows and I know. Who can save the sinner? No other than the truth that is Jesus himself. 
And again, Jesus did not say that he is a truth. Out of so many truths. Rather, he is saying he is the truth. And what about the life, the third part? Jesus again said in John chapter 11, verse 25. Again, you may have already gone through this with Pastor Ferdy before. But allow me to quote this one, verse 25, John chapter 11. I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, he shall live. I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, he shall live. You know, the funny thing with this COVID-19 pandemic, suddenly I've been having a lot of conversations with my friends in Indonesia through WhatsApp. The good of the, the advances of technology, right? Allowing you to keep in touch. And a lot, you know, friends suddenly, people talk to me a lot about things about, about death. Suddenly you can sense that there are people are questioning where am I going? What's going to be? You know, when it's so scary, Rudy, to look at what's happening and then what happened if it's my turn. Where will I be in the end? You know, with this pandemic, when I thought about it, yes, it is troubling and scary, but yet there is a blessing in disguise. Perhaps the Lord is saying, is reminding all of us the essence of why our existence. What is this all about? The calling from the Lord to, 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 to return to Him. People asking these kind of questions now. What's going to be if suddenly just gone like that? Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, he shall live. Jesus is the author of life. In Acts 3 verse 15. In and through Jesus alone, where we sinners will be made alive by grace, we have been saved. As the Apostle Paul said in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 5. Therefore, now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Romans 8, 11, verse 1. There is no eternal life outside Jesus. He is the life. He is the author of life. So then, Jesus is going to the Father to answer Thomas' question. Jesus is going to the Father. And Jesus said to Thomas and also to us today that he is the way, the truth, and the life. And no one can reach or come to the Father except through him alone. There is no other way. The calling for us today is to look and believe in Jesus, there is no other way. And friends, amid the uncertainties in the world today, such as again COVID-19 pandemic and many others, let not your hearts be troubled because the end point who believe in Jesus are, for us who believe in Jesus, are certain where we will be in the end for eternity. We have eternal hope in Jesus. We have eternal hope in Jesus. And the encouragement is for us to look beyond life on this earth.
which many of us don't really think much about that. We pursue a lot of things in our worldly, during our worldly time. You can work day in, day out, whatever you name it. You can earn as much salary. I'm not saying it's wrong with that. But what I'm trying to say is that if we put in perspective, the ratio for us to think, look beyond this earth and this earth is, is, is much less thinking about beyond. We pursuing, the funny thing with human beings is that we pursuing this thing, right? Whatever the world is offering for us, so fervently, in such a way, yet we know that our time is limited. When, when the time comes, what are we going to bring with us? Think about it. All the money, that we, all the wealth that we accumulate throughout the, entire, the entirety of, of our lives, when the time comes, what do we bring actually? Do, can we bring all the titles, the careers, whatever that we have accumulated in our lives or our wealth, our bank accounts? No, I think the thing that we bring is just maybe whatever the box, how many meters under the ground. That's if you are buried. But if you're cremated, you don't bring anything. I'm not trying to scare you off, but I'm just trying to project that this is the reality of life that we never really thought about it. You ask people, have you ever thought about it? Maybe the, the common answer, they will say, no, I don't care. I don't know. But perhaps throughout this pandemic time, maybe will teach us to reflect on the essence of our existence in front of God. Where do we actually end up in the end? Second point, let not your hearts be troubled in verses 7 to 11. Why? Because of believing in Jesus, you know the Father, and you have that personal relationship with the Father. What do I mean by that? Well, first of all, let me start with this. You know, Thomas asked that question, right? Now, we come to the second disciple here. One will think that after listening to Jesus' response over Thomas, all will be clear, and everybody will be Un, will understand, and, and, and no more questions, no more questions asked, but apparently that's not, that's not it, because now comes this, another disciple, Philip. Uh, he, 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 he took his turn, and he said to Jesus in verse 8, Lord, show us the Father, and it is enough for us. It is funny to hear Philip say that. Why? Because if you look Tom, uh, Jesus' response to Thomas in verse 7, Jesus said, If you had known me, you would have known my father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Then, but then Philip asked this question, Lord, show us the father, and it is enough for us. You know, it's like, it's like we wonder whether Philip actually was around when Jesus made that statement in verse 7, or whether he whether he actually listened to, uh, you know, to, to, to Jesus' statement to Thomas or Jesus' response to Thomas. But nevertheless, Jesus did make a response to Philip's statement by challenging or perhaps rebuking him. The fact that after so long, after so long, he seems does not really know who Jesus is in verse 9. But then to be fair to Philip, maybe not just Philip, maybe us today. 
Many people perhaps today don't really know who Jesus is. Yet ironically, ironically, that they have been or we have been attending churches or Sunday service day after day, Sunday after Sunday for years. And or they have been so-called Christians for decades. But the truth of the matter is they never really established a personal relationship with Jesus himself. In other words, at the end of the day, they do not know who Jesus is. All just in the name of traditions. You know, a long time ago, I spoke to a lady, a nice lady. We spoke and we, in our conversation, we had this uh, Christian chat. So, came to a point where he, she said to me, she's, been to, uh, she's a Christian, she, she grew up in a church, and, and so on and so on. However, she did say to me, now in her old age, she didn't go to church for whatever reason. But she was brought up in church and she's been attending church uh, when she was a kid. And I was talking to her about, you know, Christ, justification by faith, faith alone you say, uh, in Christ that you're safe, and so on like that. And then after that conversation, then she said to me, oh, is that what Christianity is all about? I didn't know that. You know, when she, re her, when she responded to me like that, humbly, I mean, with all due respect, I mean, to be honest, in my heart, I kind of like scratching my head. But you said to me before, you, were grew, you grew up in a church. You have been attending church. You see, I didn't, not, I didn't grow up in a Christian family. When I was in Indonesia, I grew up in a Confucius family, believing in ancestors' worship. And yet you had that privilege to be attending churches since you were a kid. Yet now you're telling me that that's what Christianity is all about? I wonder what either the church failed to proclaim the gospel or, or maybe, I don't know, maybe have we been sleeping throughout the Sunday service? I do not know. I mean, you know, I mean, it's just like I'm just scratching my head. But of course, I didn't answer that. But I thank the Lord that I managed to, at least now she knows what Christianity is. You know, we've been attending churches Sunday after Sunday. But do we really know who Jesus is? Do we really understand our own faith, our Christian faith? Like Jesus said in verse 9 to Philip, have I been with you so long and you still do not know me? Are we such person like Philip? And Jesus continued saying to Philip that whoever has sinned him has sinned the Father. And now, how can you show us, how can you show us the Father, Philip? How can you, you ask that question? And don't you believe, in verse 10, Jesus said, and don't you believe, Philip, that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? Don't you believe? Don't you believe that you've been following me all these years? So fundamentally, Philip's statement comes down to the question of his own faith upon Jesus. Whether he actually believes or not in Jesus. Whether we actually believe or not in Jesus. Same like Thomas. Yet Jesus encouraged Philip. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Or else, believe on an account of the works 
themselves in verse 11. All the miracles, the signs that I have performed, Philip, that had done throughout uh, my ministry or Jesus' ministry, uh, those were not done by, by merely man's power or man's authority. Rather, it's coming from Father's authority, the higher being that, that dwells in me, dwells in Jesus. Jesus is the Lamb of God. We sang one of the songs before. Jesus, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world in John 1 verse 29. Jesus is sinless. He knew no sin. The Apostle Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians 5.21. And this perfection, this qualification can only belong, if we think about it, none of us qualify for that. But this qualification can only belong to God Himself, the Father, the perfect one. But Jesus qualifies. So therefore, one who sees or knows Jesus, he sees or knows the Father. Because Jesus qualifies all these criteria that none of us are. So no wonder when Jesus said, you see me, you know the Father. But today, someone will then say, but we have never seen Jesus physically. True as it is. True. Yet as Jesus said to Thomas in John chapter 20, verse 29, Blessed are those who have not seen, yet have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen, yet have believed. And more importantly, that does not mean that we cannot know Jesus. There is no excuse for us to saying that we do not know Jesus. We haven't seen him physically. Why? Because today we have this book. We have this book from Genesis to Revelation. We have God's word and that's enough. All is complete and provided for us. Ready for us to get to know him and to have an intimate and a deeper way personally with Him. But the question is that, how many of us do really spend time alone with the Lord through His words? That's going to be always a challenge for all of us, including myself. It's not that we do not know Him. It's already been provided for Him, for us today. And now the question is that, what's this got to do with let not your hearts be troubled? It has everything to do with it. Believing and knowing Jesus consequently allowing us to also know the Father and have personal relationship with Him closely, closely. He is not a God that's sitting somewhere out there that you do not know Him and He doesn't know you. He's just sitting there not doing anything. No, we have a God through Jesus that is, we can be personally and close, stay with Him. So that's why when our hearts are troubled with uncertainties or things that are taking place in our lives, we can directly and confidently come to the Father as the ruler of all things. We do not need a, a, a mediator in the middle. We do not need somebody, a special person. We can come straight away to Him through, in, because of Jesus, the ruler of all things because of our, our faith in Jesus, and He will stay close with us. As written in Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 12 to 13. It's such a beautiful passage here. Jeremiah 29, verses 12 to 13. Listen to this. Then you will call upon me and came and prayed to me. And I will hear you. 
you will seek me and find me. When you seek me with all your heart. In other words, it's like when I read that Jeremiah, it's, it's like, Lord, in, in this troubled time right now, in this pandemic, COVID-19, I don't understand what's going on. I don't know why the beloved one, one by one, gone. But yet in that moment, in that troubled moment, in that confusion, I can come to you personally. And I can bring my cry, my joy to you. All the things. And I know that you will not be angry. Because I know that you are a good and a faithful, loving father. The question is that how many of us will come home to him, will return to him? How many of us? He is sitting there waiting for us to come. A loving father waiting for his lost son to come home. Because of Jesus, we know the Father. We have personal relationship with Him. And we know exactly who to go to with all our burdens. And we know that He cares as Jesus cares for His sheep. Jesus and the Father are one. John 10, verse 30. John 10, verse 30. Jesus said, I and the Father are one. Third point. Let not your hearts be troubled in verses 12 to 14. Why? Because of believing in Jesus, you will do even greater works. Now, I think that is when I ponder about this, the last one, the last chapter, verses 12 to 14, such an encouragement, uplifting. Again, among the agitated moment and, and anxious among the disciples, yet Jesus gave this proposition, an encouraging one, while they were feeling anxious or agitate and agitated. Now, first of all, this does not mean that Jesus does not care or acknowledge their feelings of being anxious. But at the same time, Jesus did not want them to be trapped in their troubled hearts and forgetting the works that are still need to be done. Remember what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 9, verses 35 to 38. The harvest is plentiful. But the laborers are few. The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. There are still many out there that need to hear the gospel of the kingdom. There are still many out there that, he, that need to hear the goodness of Jesus. And this work or mission needs to be continued. Otherwise, they will all be lost with no hope at all for eternity. Like my friend keep asking me, where will I be in the end when I die? And indeed, as Jesus said to his disciples, they will do even greater work after his departure from them, from this earth. And this comes into the reality when we look at the book of Acts. They become Jesus' witnesses to Jerus in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the end of the earth in Acts 1 verse 8. And as the results of that greater works that they did by the, great, by the grace of God, and today we, right now, sitting in this room, taste and receive the fruit 
of that greater works in which we now have eternal hope in Jesus. Not only the promise of the greater works, but also in the midst of that, Jesus said in verses 13 to 14, whatever they ask in his name, he will do it. Whatever they ask in his name, he will do it. But I want to make a disclaimer here. Now, please don't just pick one verse and make it absolute and just use it everywhere. We, okay? What I meant by that, we don't want to go crazy about this. We need to be clear and understand correctly that this is not some kind of fulfillment of our wish list. Especially for our own self-indulgence. Whatever that is. Remember to pay attention also that Jesus also said that the Father may be glorified in Him in verse 13. Still in within the same verse. Father may be glorified in Him. In other words, we need to continue, continually ask whether in the end our requests are in fact, are in fact glorifying the Father or not. Because a lot of people just pick and choose the verse they, they want and use it for their own gain. If supposedly Jesus does fulfill our selfish requests, whatever that is, do you then think the Father is glorified in Jesus? If Jesus supposedly fulfill all our selfish requests, whatever that is, do you then think the Father is glorified in Jesus? I want you to think about it. So for us today, for us today, living in this challenging time, especially with the COVID-19 pandemic situation, will we then, will we then let our hearts be troubled in such a way that we are forgetting the calling or the mission that God, that God has placed for us as his children, as his church, that is to continue proclaiming the goodness of Jesus to the world. Yes, even during this pandemic time, are we going to be trapped in our troubled hearts that we cannot move at all with our lives? Especially the calling and the mission that God has placed for his children and his church to bring the goodness of Jesus. Or instead, by believing in Jesus, we will be encouraged and uphold his promise that we will do even greater works for the glory of the Father. We will continue to proclaim the message of hope in Jesus to this fallen and dying world. By all means, through prayer, through Bible study, through church service, through fellowship, through friendship, through worship, or through the use of technology, social media, podcasting, or, or community gathering, or, or having meals with others, inviting people to come to your house to have meals with you, or through evangelism, or discipleship, and so on. So that everyone, everyone who believes in Jesus or in Him will not perish, but have eternal life. In John 3.16, and in doing so, Jesus said in Matthew 28.20, He will be with us always. He will be with us always to the end of the age. To the end of the age. So, brothers and sisters in Christ, in closing, let not your hearts be troubled. 
And all because of Jesus, the Lord and Savior. And to God be the glory. May his words be a blessing to all of us. Amen.